The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now I'm joined in the Galmont Hotel in Galway by Larry Donnelly, law lecturer at the University of Galway and columnist with thejournal.ie. Uh, Larry, good morning and welcome. Great to be with you, Pat. Welcome to the West. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Now, we are going to talk US politics because there have been a number of developments in the Republican nomination quest. But first of all, Live Golf and the PGA. I mean, Rory McIlroy must feel like they stuck a knife through his ribs. Absolutely. I mean, I was really, really taken aback when a friend of mine in Boston texted me the news yesterday. I don't think anybody uh, saw this coming. And certainly, uh, I think Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, uh, has an awful lot of egg on his face, given what he said about the Live Tour and how reprehensible they were uh, in terms of 9-11 and other things and his condemnation of the Saudi government. Uh, and now saying this is a great thing for golf, that this has all worked out for everybody. Uh, talk about a U-turn in a very short space of time. And if I'm Rory McIlroy or any of the other PGA Tour players who got pay- who were offered huge sums of money by Live uh, and turned away from them out of loyalty to the PGA Tour, uh, I'm pretty pissed off right now, to be yeah. frank with you. And uh, certainly the PGA has shown no loyalty to those who stuck up for the PGA. No, they haven't. And, and you know, the, the, the my thinking on this, to be honest, is probably a little bit different than everyone else. Money, of course, is at the heart of all this. But just strictly from a golf point of view, and I'm, I'm a big golf fan, uh, I wonder about Cameron Smith, who's a Live Tour affiliated, won the Open Championship last year. Just a couple of weeks ago, Brooks Kepka, Live Tour affiliated, won the PGA Championship. I wonder how tenable it was for the PGA Tour as the leading golf tour in the world to have two major champions outside the tent. I wonder if that might have been the tipping point in some respects. It might be a tipping point, but money, as you say, was at the heart of it. Now, let's talk uh, U.S. politics. And uh, I suppose overnight, Tucker Carlson uh, returning, but this time on Twitter in a, quite an amateurish uh, broadcast, as it were. But his, his views are quite bizarre. He uh, approves of Vladimir Putin. He mocks uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Um, he's into conspiracy theories to beat the band. I mean, this guy's dangerous. He's very dangerous. And, and it's hard to know what Tucker Carlson actually believes, where his heart is. Uh, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, he wants to increase ratings and make as much money uh, as he possibly can. But certainly, he's a pernicious uh, influence on the American polity. Uh, I happen to think, even though social media and everything is taking over in many respects, uh, I happen to think he has been deprived of a huge platform. So I wonder uh, the extent uh, of his influence. I mean, we've seen it before with previous people who've left uh, major networks, like Glenn Beck would be one of them, uh, who's kind of now an also-ran. So I don't know how much influence he'll wield. Yeah, and he's still in negotiation on his severance with Fox uh, and maybe in litigation. Uh, He's not endearing himself to them uh, by this particular action. Um, Perhaps it's a bit premature. But uh, the presidential race on the Republican side is, is getting more and more interesting. I mean, we've Chris Christie entered the race a couple of days ago. Mike Pence is in there now. His slogan is, different times call for different leadership. Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure where any of these candidates uh, are going, to be honest with you. Uh, I think Mike Pence and and Chris Christie, uh, in some ways, they're yesterday's men in terms of how um, what their philosophy is and their more traditional brand of conservatism uh, has been supplanted by Trumpism. And that is the dominant theme and that is the ascendant mood uh, of the Republican grassroots. Uh, I don't see where they go. And from Donald Trump's point of view, he has to be smiling with 
every new entrant into the race because the more this race is splintered, uh, the better it is for him because he will retain that lane of 35 to 40 percent uh, of support in the Republican primary. And, you know, listeners should know the way the Republican primary works is it's delegates. You need to build up a certain number of delegates. And in the Republican primary, the majority of states are winner take all. So you win by one vote, you get all the delegates in that state. Uh, so it has to look very promising for Donald Trump. And I have a feeling uh, we're going to start to see something emerge among those who don't want Donald Trump to be the next nominee. I'm not just saying the anti-Trump people, because I think that's actually a small faction. But I'm talking about people who may like Trump, but fear that he can't win the whole thing. And that's the slogan I think is going to be the duty to drop out. Fair enough. You have it. You want to get in. You want to give it a go. But after Iowa and New Hampshire, if you're doing nothing, uh, you need to step aside and let the strongest challenger to Trump go forward. And in my view, inexorably, that's going to be Ron DeSantis. It's going to be Ron DeSantis who will challenge Trump for the nomination. I, I think he, and if you look at the polling figures, I think he will be the strong, will emerge as the strongest candidate because uh, he appeals to that ascendant mood with the within the Republican Party, uh, that new kind of conservatism. He has a track record as governor of Florida. I think the others won't catch fire. Now, uh, the others, I mean, how many of them know they are no hopers and are there for other reasons to give themselves personal prominence and they have the money to buy that prominence? I suspect that's a big factor for a lot of them. I mean, running for president is a pretty lucrative business. Uh, I think for one candidate in particular, I think Chris Christie is motivated by personal animus against the president. Uh, I think he relishes, the the former president, I should say, I think he relishes the idea uh, of getting on a debate stage and absolutely lacerating uh, Donald Trump. And we know he has the capacity for doing that. So I think that's what's motivating him. But I think others in the field uh, may be running strictly to be Donald Trump's running mate. Uh, and I think perhaps among those... Uh, uh, is Tim Scott, the African-American senator from South Carolina, who I think is a very, very long shot, but is somebody who I think uh, would be a reasonably good addition to a Trump ticket. Now, the Trump apple cart could be upset by a few things. And, and one is uh, the investigation into the Mar-a-Lago documents, a story going around that a room in which documents may have been held was flooded, perhaps deliberately. Um, he is concerned about the, the direction that the investigation is taking by the Justice Department. He's made a complaint. Um, where do you believe that actually lies and will it happen quickly? I've long thought that the documents and the removal of the classified documents, I've said it numerous times, that that is the one that could really ensnare him uh, and the one that would be most most problematic, I think, to a Republican primary electorate. Uh, and I think that that is where uh, so many of these people who are taking a punch right now, uh, that's what some of them are thinking, is that Trump is going to get ensnared by this. His candidacy is going to be untenable. Uh, I'm not so sure where that, where, what's going to happen. I mean, the, the investigation, in fairness to those who are leading it, Jack Smith, the special counsel, everything has been pretty tightly uh, contained. So we don't know exactly what's going on. We're hearing rumors, but certainly that is the one of all that I think could trip him up. And that's the gamble that these Republicans who are getting to the race are taking, that Trump could get ensnared by this and that they will emerge ultimately as the strongest challenger. Now, if it is one of the other people like Ron DeSantis, I mean, is he more likely to beat Joe Biden than Donald Trump is? In my view, yes. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis, even though he is, you know, everyone 
everyone says lacking totally in charisma. Uh, I think he is a young man. Uh, I think on a debate stage against Joe Biden, again, there are doubts increasing about Joe Biden's capacity given his recent fall. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis stands a considerably better chance of winning the presidency than Donald Trump. So uh, the fall uh, that happened to Joe Biden at uh, that military academy, I mean, he was sandbagged. <laughs> it was a sandbag there that should not have been there. But it doesn't look great. No, this really was, a, you know, this was something that could have happened to any of us, I think. But the unfortunate thing for President Biden is that it reinforces a perception out there that's shared widely. Republicans are shouting about it from the rooftops. But make no mistake, and I know this from Democratic insiders, behind closed doors, they are very, very deeply concerned about his age and concerns about his cognitive capacity. So if it happened that he had to drop out for medical reasons, other reasons, um, and I don't know whether there are any forces within the Democratic Party who'd take him aside and say, look, Mr. President, uh, your time is up. But is there any credible candidate in the wings that could get up and running quickly? Well, there certainly isn't right now. I mean, we have Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who, uh, you know, believes in all sorts of conspiracy theories and is a fringe figure. We have Marianne Williamson, who's also in the race, uh, again, a fringe figure. Um, were something to happen, look, the DNC can kick into gear relatively quickly. Uh, obviously, uh, the heir apparent would be the vice president, Kamala Harris. But... Uh, you know, that presents significant difficulties for Democrats because uh, even though Biden, Biden's uh, approval, approval ratings are pretty low, uh, Kamala Harris's are even lower than that. So I think that the Democrats um, are stuck with Biden in many respects. And to Biden's credit, it is quite extraordinary that despite all these doubts, which are in Democratic circles as well as Republican circles, he was able to box off the field. I mean, you can't tell me that there aren't one or two Democrats who'd say it's worth taking this guy on in a primary, but for whatever reason, the power of incumbency, entrenched interests, etc., he was able to box this off. And what himself. he's offering, obviously, is the kind of thing, the no drama Obama version of Joe Biden. If you want chaos, vote Trump. If you want things just to mooch along, vote Biden. That's going to be the theme subtly and not so subtly is going to be a line he's used in the past. He actually took from the former mayor of Boston, Kevin White. Don't compare me to the almighty. Compare me to the alternative. And I actually think as uninspiring as that might be, I actually think that's going to be a powerful and persuasive line in the event that Donald Trump is a Republican nominee. Larry Donnelly, law lecturer at the University of Galway, columnist with the journal.ie. Thank you very much for joining The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk. Joining us.